0: What's up guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls episode 16. My name is James Scully. Today's topic of conversation on Breaking Walls is branching out and starting your own business. And in order to get to the bottom of this topic and learn some of the things that we might need to know if we've considered doing this, I brought in CEO and two-time company owner Eric Scott to help us and learn some new things that we might not know at this time. And Eric is someone who is not afraid to be vulnerable and put himself out there in order to accomplish goals. Eric is also somebody who understands the importance of community and what it's like to run a company and why it can't be about your ego and how it needs to be about passion finding, passion satiating, and challenges. A lot of us are working if we want to pay our bills. Some of us are running our own companies to begin with or are in business for ourselves. I think most of us at one time or another have thought about being in business for ourselves, being our own boss, setting our own schedule. And if you go back to previous podcasts like the interview I did with Brett Affronti last year about being a freelance illustrator, there are multiple ways to be your own boss. In this case, Eric and I speak about many of the things that go into life when you are wanting to run your own business. We don't get into billing, client acquisition, the details that in running a specific business you would have to know we do speak about some of the methods that you can use to have a successful business and we do speak about some of the other things that you need to know if you're going to come to the table in a negotiating agreement the point that I'm trying to make here very quickly is that oftentimes we maybe make things a little bit too complicated for ourselves and in fact running a business would just be an extension of our own life and therefore if you're going to run a business, it absolutely needs to be something that you are passionate about. Otherwise, it's already a chore and it hasn't even begun yet. As some of you may know, this month's topic for June on the Wallbreakers is community, and running a business has a lot to do with running a community because if you're going to employ any number of employees or you're going to do business with people on a personal basis or on a mentor like basis, there's a community aspect there. We're not living in a bubble. As always, I mentioned that you can get these podcasts by subscribing on iTunes. By doing so, you can search for The Wall Breakers. And we do ask, please, review us, rate us. If you like what we're doing, let us know. If you have constructive criticism, please let us know that as well, because then we can get better at what we're doing. You can also listen to these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. And if you're there, you can follow us on SoundCloud and then When you go to soundcloud.com and look at your own feed, our Wallbreakers podcast will pop up. If all else fails, please go to thewallbreakers.com and on every page of the website, both on mobile and on desktop and also tablet, you can find our podcast in the handy right-hand rail module that plays them in descending chronological order. As the seasons change, I think we sometimes realize that our own lives are changing as well. It's normal for us to be cyclical in our decisions and in our likes and dislikes. We've all gone to school. We all know what it's like to graduate from a grade to a new grade. And we all know what it's like to go from summer to fall to winter to spring. We use these holidays and these markers. For instance, Flag Day is our marker for community in June. And Flag Day is a uniquely American holiday that's centered around flying your nation's flag and generally being patriotic. We use these markers to help us differentiate the passage of time and grow as individuals, because growth is not self-evident, especially as adults. We have to continue to grow on our own, and it's very helpful to have things that we can look towards and markers that we can set that we know that we're, oh, we're in uh, an advancing state. Oh, I haven't really done enough lately, and I know that summer is coming, and I need to gear myself up, whether it be personally, business-wise, you name it, speaking hypothetically. But This podcast is not about speaking hypothetically. It's about branching out and running your own business. After this break, please stay tuned for Eric Scott, CEO of Dolphin Micro, and myself speaking on Breaking Walls, episode 16. Hey guys. Back on Breaking Walls, our guest today is Eric Scott, who is the CEO of Dolphin Micro. It's a software engineer company, and Eric has been running Dolphin Micro for seven years. And I wanted to sit down with Eric today to speak with him about things that he's learned as he's branched out on his own and run his own business. Dolphin Micro is the second, correct, Eric, Mm, company that you've run in your life. Yep. He has great insight. He's also a very open-minded person who tries to stay balanced as much as he can. And he's somebody who has mentored me indirectly and directly at times in my life. And I will say also, Eric, a source of mentorship that I wouldn't have expected before that happened. I I, I had no idea who you were as far as internally and and what made you tick. And to find that we have a lot in common is endearing because it's validating. But also, (laughs) it's great because it it was very helpful to me. Eric is somebody with a lot of experience, and we're hoping to tap into some of that today. Cool. I appreciate that. You've been running Dolphin Micro for 7 years. Yep. And before
1: that, it's a so- it's a software engineer company. Yep. Yeah, we built software for other people, so mostly websites and mobile applications. The company that you ran before that. Mm-hmm. What was that? That was a real estate company. So, so I had a small team of people eventually and we sold houses. We sold residential real estate.
0: Are you someone who throughout your life has always known that you are better off being your own boss hmm. than working for someone else?
1: I don't know. I mean, I kind of I've always been entrepreneurially spirited. I mean, I even had a little candy store under my bed. i would made my mom go to Costco when I was a kid and buy me a bunch of candy wholesale. And then I'd sell it to like my dad and my friends. And so I always had like a little business thing going on. But you know, I went to college like everybody. I graduated with a computer science degree. I got a job out of college like everybody does. I had an internship while I was in college and just went to work for that company. And then I kind of got tired of doing what I was doing there and uh, quit and didn't really know what else to do with myself. So I started a real estate business. And, and I'd I just kind of lucked into it. I said, you know, I've got, I, I'm, I'm interested in buying real estate. So I got a real estate license. And then I was like, well, I have a real estate license, so maybe I should sell real estate. And that's just kind of how it started. So I started just me selling houses. And then I started hiring people because I got busy enough that I needed, you know, an assistant and somebody to take pictures of the houses and somebody to take the buyers around. And so that's how that one started.
0: Now, you mentioned just now that when you were a kid, you... Had your own candy business. Yeah, kind
1: of. Small business, right? It's a shoebox business.
0: And so that passion, there's passion there. I would say, yeah. And is it passion to be in control? Is it passion to be out there in the world doing something for yourself? What's the kernel? Where's the inception of that for you, if you really
1: think about it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've always been stubborn and arrogant and a little egotistical, so I think my way is the right way, right? Um, And I guess uh, being an entrepreneur kind of requires a little bit of that. And I think it also requires just, uh, you know, an ability to, a willingness to take risks um, and and to try stuff, just to go out and do it, just to do it. You know, maybe it's part of being in control, because I'm I'm sure there's some of that for most of us entrepreneurs, right? We want to be in control of our destinies or in, in how the work is done or in our schedules. There's usually something about that that appeals to us, the being in control part. But I think part of it is just... We tend to be ADD kind of, right? We, we always want to be doing something. I mean, I, I even tried living on a beach for a little while. And after about a month of that, I was working for a friend again, just freelance consulting, right? I'd walk over to the library every day and get my little laptop up and do programming for 10 bucks an hour because I needed something to do. So I don't know. I think that, that that's another thing that kind of probably categorizes at least me as an entrepreneur is I always want to be doing something. You grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yep. Were you living in Boulder your entire childhood? No, no. I lived outside of Denver for the first, I don't know, maybe 20 years. And then I lived in Boulder for about 10, went to school there and graduated and then got a job in Boulder. And then I moved to New York.
0: Okay, interesting. I thought maybe if you had moved around as a young child more, it would ignite the entrepreneurial spirit in you only because you'd be more used to having to take risks and and make new friends. And And pick pick up and move. Right, exactly. So, So the fear of the unknown is not something that would have uh, stopped you. But obviously you're somebody who doesn't let the fear of the unknown stop you. And I, and I, I mm-hmm. when Lena Gonzalez and I relaunched The Wall Breakers, the first topic for the first theme that we picked for February was Valentine's Day, was the holiday, and the topic was vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like that's where it all starts. If you're willing to be vulnerable, then you can love someone, you can love something, you can go take a risk. People are afraid of being vulnerable. It's, it's normal to fear judgment, to fear failure. Mm-hmm. Even people who are used to it, there's no point in time that you want to fail as you're failing. you sure you learn from it. <laughs> yeah, But it's never like this is the greatest thing ever. It's only great because you're
1: learning something from it. Well, it's usually only great. Failure is usually only great after it's over. It's not usually pleasant when it's happening to you, right? Right. How do you quell that?
0: As somebody who is not averse to taking risks... Some people, they're afraid to come out of the closet, so to speak, and take risks in life. What are some things that you did in life that, is it your parental foundation? How do you, how, how did that happen? And why is it that you are so willing to put yourself out there in the world and gain happiness because of it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so there, there's, there's a concept in negotiation called a BATNA, a best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So, so whenever you're in a negotiation, you have two options, right? You can come to an agreement with the person you're negotiating with, Mm -hmm. or you can do something else. And they teach you in negotiating school to always look to make that something else as strong as it can. So if you can't come to an agreement, or you need to walk away because deal A is not good for you, you have something good to go to. And that's what always gives you strength in a negotiation, is whatever your batman is, right? And so I think I kind of... Every time there's a life decision to be made... I always look around and try to figure out what that baton is. What are the other choices that are out there that I could do instead? And usually it doesn't take a whole lot of hard work for most people to say, man, there really are a lot of things I could try here. Maybe I don't have to stick with the status quo. Maybe I should try one of those things. Is there, you know, I think if most people were to sit down for an hour and there was an interesting question I heard once that, um, really made me think, and it makes me think all the time, especially when there's change in life. It said, what would you do? if you couldn't fail? And that was kind of a cool question because take failure off the table and you say well, what are my choices now you come up with a lot of interesting ideas and then you start working through those ideas and you say well you know maybe this isn't great maybe maybe there's a lot of risk here and failure is a potential but if it, you at least take it off the table when you start thinking about what you could do you usually come up with a pretty interesting list and some of those ideas that you think through often turn about out to be pretty exciting so you know, then taking that risk really isn't a risk anymore, right? Because you've got a lot of fat and you've got a lot of good alternatives for sticking with the status quo that might pull you from there and get you to do something unusual and different.
0: One, I would absolutely agree with that. Two, you're essentially talking about options, giving sure. yourself as many options yep. as you possibly can, because why be afraid of something if you've got something else? Sure. And I, there are times in life, I think, that you take a certain risk where there are no other options. Say you're in love with somebody and you're going to propose to them. Sure. You probably shouldn't be thinking to yourself, well, if this doesn't work (laughs) out, I can always go over there too because that looks pretty good also. You know, But since we're specifically speaking about business, I think that's a good delineation there because in love and life, it's not business. It's love. It's emotional. I'm not even
1: convinced love is not necessarily like that, right? Because there are a lot of options in the world. And I think the goal, especially for a long-term relationship, is, is to find somebody that... There's a lot of things about you guys that click. Sure, right? it's not just you think she's hot or you you're, you have fun playing together or your life values match. It's all of those things combined. And I think you do have to even look at relationships with the, what else is really out there. You know, is this the best kind of overall package that I've got available to me? And I think that's, you know, they always say you can't pick who you love. And, and to a good degree, that's true. But I think if you spend enough time with somebody, you get a good sense of, this is a really good fit for me, right? This is a good fit. I could go with the pretty option over here. I could go with the smart option over here. I could go with the active person over here. Or I could take this package that has a whole lot of all of these things It's just a really great fit. But then even with
0: love, I guess, it does come down to putting yourself out there at the end of the day. Yeah, if it does, If you're not willing sure. to say to somebody, I love you, or if you're not willing to enter into a negotiation knowing that you might walk away from this table... Without shaking hands and not having a job at that moment, or not having income coming in, maybe you do have. It's it's basically, I think you would agree. In order to succeed, you have
1: to be willing to fail. Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree. So you're on a beach. I was seven yep. years ago. Yep, yep. And I was I was on a beach literally for about four months, just living out of my car with a tent while my wife was getting done training for a new job.
0: Now I would venture to guess that finances do come into play at some point. Sure.
1: Where was this, by the way? It was California. So okay. I was in San Diego. Right. And, and, you know, so I had just, when I was on the beach, I had sold a business, not for a lot of money. You know, it was a, a really small, say I was a little business and I was I was the biggest part of the business and I wasn't sticking around. So I was basically selling some of my listings and my assistant, right? Because I, I had a good assistant. Someone was interested in both the, the listings and the assistant. But anyway, so I had a small piece of money from the sale of that business and I said, look, I'm going to use this. To do something different while Katie's away training for her new gig. So that was kind of the extent of it, right? I had about six months and a small pile of money. And when either of those things ran out, I had to go do something different, right? So there was definitely a timer, both time and money, that was counting down on me.
0: And would you say that by going to a place like a beach in San Diego, Mm -hmm. where so much of, well, at least from a New Yorker's point of view, so much of the noise that you live with on a day-to-day basis is washed away. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're sitting, it's it's like the
1: shores of life, essentially. Yeah. That allowed you to think things through clearer? Yeah, I would say, right? Because, so, I didn't really know what I was going to do, right? So, I had all my camping gear and my clothes and whatever. It was in my car. And uh, I drove out there. I didn't know where I was going to stay. And one of my buddies was like, hey, there's this cool campground. You should check it out. It's really on the beach. And I was like, all right. So, I checked it out. And I put on my little tent there. And I caught kind of got into this routine I was learning how to draw at the time I picked up you know some sketching and a book that says how to draw what you see so every morning I go out and I'd draw something my car I'd go down to San Francisco or you know I'd, I'd go somewhere uh, San Diego downtown and I'd, I'd go to a park and I just sketch stuff and I did that for a few weeks and that was fun I'd cook my breakfast in the morning cook it in at night and that that was a, a brand new routine that Definitely didn't have all the distraction of, you know, a a nine to five job. There was just an awful lot of time to think and just be um, a human. Yeah, just be a human. Just, you know, you get up, you know, what am I going to eat? I'm going to have to cook my food because I was by myself. I wasn't going out to eat because I didn't have the cash. So I was cooking breakfast in the morning, lunch in the afternoon, dinner, and you get into this pattern and the old life sort of washed away Mm -hmm. after three or four weeks. Sure. You know, so yeah, that was definitely very clarifying. You're on this beach. Now, you're in your 30s at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, what was your software development ability?
1: <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't written any software for, geez, well, as, as long as I've been in real estate, so six years. And in the prior job writing software, I wasn't really writing software after two or three years because I had a little team of people that were writing software, and I was kind of managing stuff. Sure. So I probably hadn't really written software in almost a decade. Okay. Where does this come from then? Dolphin Micro, what's the inception? <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, I got bored on the beach right mm-hmm. after about a month. I was, I've was i always been kind of hyper, and I, I needed something to do. So I called up a friend, and he, he mentioned that he needed some stuff done. He's an electrical engineer, just a freelance guy, always has been, or has been for a long time, probably a long time, long time. And he said, well, I need some software written, but I don't have any money. And I was like, well, tell you what, I'll do it for 10 bucks an hour. And he said, that's a deal. So every day I'd take my little laptop. I'd go over to the library across the street, and I'd program for six or seven hours at a library. I'd Plug in, I had my little table, I'd go wash my hair half the time in the sink, because the showers cost 75 cents, and <laughs> they're usually cold anyway. So, um, you know, I'd go wash the hair in the sink, and I'd have my breakfast at camp, and then I'd go to the library and program for eight hours. And, and that was very fulfilling, right? I mean, I was making almost, I was making what a hamburger flinger was making, but I was doing work that was interesting. And so I slowly ratcheted up my radar. I was like, hey, I learned a lot today, Now you got to pay me $15 an hour. Now you got to pay me $20 an hour. And it finally got to the point where he's like, well, I can't afford you anymore. I was like, all right, fine. And then I was talking to my friend Jay. He's like, I'm kind of bored at my job. I've been here for 11 years. I said, let's do something. Why don't you get a one-way ticket out to, to, to California? We'll go charter a boat, sail around for a little while, and then we'll hop in my car and drive back to Colorado and start a company. And he's like... I'll do that. So he quit his job. He flew out, one-way <laughs> ticket. We hung around on the sailboat, and it all kind of came to pass. We, we ended up on his couch, and he's like, you know, while he was there, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What can we do? And he's like, well, what about web development? I'm like, what does that mean? I've never programmed a website. Because I was learning computer programming when the web was just being born. Right. right? So, okay, so clarify that. What <laughs> kind of computer software... Prior to web, were you writing? So I was writing Palm Pilot software. Okay. Right back when Palm Pilot was mobile, and that sure. was still uh, almost pre-web. It was out. You know, there was email, there was America Online, and and the web was kind of coming into existence. I remember Google was born while I was kind of at that job out of college, writing Palm Pilot software. Because I remember a guy, I was I was searching on HotBot. He's like, oh, you should check out this new thing called Google. I'm like, why? HotBot gives me everything, and he's like, it just gives you better results, right? So I. I remember that's where the state of the internet was, is Google was just coming on the scene. Um, this is
0: 1996, yeah, no, 96.
1: I think 96 is when I graduated from college, so it would have been 98-ish Okay, like, before the first bubble burst. So, and But we've basically fast-forwarded in this story to 2007?
0: Yeah, 2007. Yep. So, and you haven't written software for 10 nope. years, basically. Yep. But I want to go back for just one second, sure. because I think some people who are listening to you might say... Well, sure, you were living at a beach, sure, you, 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 you chartered a boat, sure, you, you, you drove back to Colorado. I can't do any of those things, you know? But you're obviously, what sounds to someone listening potentially as this luxurious, where you were throwing money everywhere you went, because people want to be doing that while they're driving Rolls Royce. Sure. No, you didn't have a lot of money in your pocket, but that doesn't mean that because you didn't have a lot of money in your pocket, you had to go
1: sit in your apartment and never leave it or anything like right? You, yeah, you, no, I, I didn't have a ton of money, right? I I think I spent, in six months, I probably spent less than 10000 bucks, I think. So it wasn't, you know, and that was six, literally six months. Sure. Um, and that was me. So after about four months, I went and got an apartment with somebody. I, I got a, a little, I found a place on Craigslist, and mm-hmm. she had a furnished bedroom available for sublet for a couple hundred bucks a month, right? So I went and shacked up with some girl and some weird guy that she lived with, and she was fantastic. Like, she had this whole friend circle and... I'd like, I I remember baking a pie there for them and they were so happy and I'd go hang out with her and her friends during the day uh, when she was around. It was just, it was super fun, but I lived super cheap, right? I I literally went to the grocery store and I was eating cereal for breakfast and a banana. I was cooking my, I was cutting on my own food and cooking my own meals over my little gas propane stove. It was, it was, I was literally living at a tent with no power and and worried about 75 cents for a shower, you know, but I mean, it was certainly worthwhile And, and I think it can be done by almost anybody, right? I mean, right. I guess the point that
0: I really want to make there is that just because you didn't have a lot of money in your pocket, it didn't stop you from thinking about what your next move could be, and it also didn't stop you from enjoying, I guess, like, what life's about. It's really not about the money, it's about the experiences, and you're still able to have agree. those experiences, so you weren't eating at the 21 Club or wherever for dinner. You cooked your own meal, you ate it the way you wanted to eat it, and, yep. and you still got full and were able to go do other things, you know, so... Yep. I think maybe it's important for people to realize that there's a lot of layers of bullshit that we have to remove from ourselves and the way we think sometimes in order to see the clarity in the situation. Yeah, i agree. And now you're driving across the country to from San Diego yep, to Boulder. To Colorado, yeah. With, with, with my, with so my you, buddy. And now it also stands to reason that you can't always be in business with friends. Sure. But sometimes it is better to be in a business with somebody you trust because you have... There's a level of intimacy there that you're willing to be vulnerable with that person and yep. share a burden and responsibility here that if he goes on a heroin binge six months after you start a company, you're up shit's creep, you yep. know? So, like, you have to you have to trust somebody that they're... Obviously, I'm not saying that... Luckily, quite, he didn't go on a heroin binge. Luckily, so, he at least not that I knew. Right. So, once again, vulnerability comes into play mm-hmm. in that situation. Yep, I'd agree. You have this conversation. You're driving to Colorado. Mm-hmm. You decide to start a software company, mm-hmm.
1: Dolphin Micro. Yep. Where does the name come from? Well, so we came from his couch. So we were sitting on his couch. And he said, "Well, the first thing we got to do is name the company." I'm like, "Okay, what do you want to do to start?" And he said, "Well, I like to start with animal names." And I was like, "What does that mean? Like snake and cobra?" He's like, "Yeah, let's start with snake and cobra." And so we just started listing all the animals that sounded interesting for a company name. We, snake cobra lion eagle you know we went through the whole list we hit dolphin and we're like dolphins cool they're smart they're funny they're sexy they're 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 smooth right they're they they travel in pods they're very social creatures so which is weird because neither he or i are very social and anyway so we were like dolphin dolphin's cool that's that's cool and i was sitting there with the laptop right looking up all the, the the domain names that were weren't taken with dolphin in it and we came up with a lot of stupid shit and then we hit um Dolphin. We said, well, what? What's technical? We need something that's technical, and we're like Dolphin. I don't know, Dolphin. Lots of things, and then we're like Dolphin Micro, like Microsoft. That sounds technical. And it, Dolphin Micro. Ah, it's available. So um, that's where it came from. <laughs> that's a great story. All yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that's that's part of the thing I've always suffered with is I've just I'm just not a very good branding and marketing guy, and that was probably the worst possible way to pick a, a, a name. But you know, it, it served us well so far. So.
0: Well, seven years later, didn't do too bad. I guess because, not. You know, I had asked you a question off air mm-hmm. about how to stay present. You know, how do you stay present mm-hmm. in your thinking? And what I mean by that is, how are you not getting too ahead of yourself? Or how sometimes people, and maybe I'm speaking about myself here, and, and I shouldn't, maybe we have a tendency to look too far down the road mm-hmm. about things that we want, but also then look at the past with nostalgic rose-tinted glasses mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily accurate either, so you're like stuck between two worlds, but at the same time, you're not living in the actual world that you're living in the present. The only time that you're – you and I sitting here at this moment is existing. It's, mm-hmm. it's the only time that's existing for us right now. When you run a company, I, I think that you, you have to do that. You have to like look at the next step in front of you. You can't just not look. But you have to say, well, here's where we're all right now. What we want is this next up. Mm-hmm. How- Can you describe to me the process of thinking that way when it's not just you and your wife and your family that you have to feed? It's a group of people. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of risk involved in running a company, Mm -hmm. but then as you grow, which you have, and and you've had anywhere between 10 to 20 people working Mm -hmm. for you at a given time, how do you stay clear-minded and don't allow the stress of running that company to affect the way that you're thinking in a negative way?
1: Well... But I don't know. It's not, it's not always easy. I think one of the things we do that helps us stay in the now is, is we set We set goals at the company level um, kind of the same way I set goals at a personal level. So we sat down at the beginning, Jay and I did, and we said, what do we really want this thing to look like? right? What do we value in being owners of a company? and What does that look like at scale? What, what is that going to feel like? When can we say, check, yep, we're successful. right? What do we want that company to look like and feel like? So we kind of paint that broad vision of where we want to get to way down the road. Um, And then we back up to just this year. And we'd we'd set a goal sheet down and say, what do we have to do this year to get us one year closer to that thing? And so we'd write down a list of all the things we needed to do. And we do that once a year. We take the whole team on a trip um, and we sit around for a week and talk about what we need to do this year to get close. First, we'd, we'd go back to the big vision plan and say, is this still where we want to go as a company? yes, no, or whatever, we'd we'd, we'd update that. And then we'd say, what do we got to do this year to get there? And then once a month, we have a goal planning meeting. We look at the yearly sheet, not at the long-term vision, just the yearly. We say, what do we got to do this month to get there? Not this month, next month, three-month plans, just one month at a time. And then once a week, we have a, a goal planning meeting with the whole team. And we say, what do we have to do this week, just this week, to make us successful this month? And I think that really helps It helps two things. It it, it helps you have that big vision because having a big vision that's meaningful to you that you really want to get to um, is powerful. And it it helps pull you through all the little things you have to do to get there, right? You're like, oh, we really want to do that. But to get there, oh, we got to do all this little shit. Well, let's just get this out of the way this week because, you know, that's going to get us closer. And that big vision kind of pulls you through and helps you not care so much about all the little administrative nonsense and Mm -hmm. the clients that don't pay and all the little things that get in your way. So having the big vision is useful and then boiling it down to just what you need to do this week and spreading the planning out over a long period of time and not trying to build a big plan because those are complicated. But it's pretty easy to say, look, we already did a lot of thinking about what needs to happen this year. We just need to figure out one month, just this month, what do we need to do to get there? Or when you're on the weekly meeting, you don't even need to think long term. You just say, hey, what, what was our goal this month? All oh, right, that was our goal. We put a lot of thought into that. Let's just trust that's a good goal. What do we got to get to there This week, we've got two weeks left this month. What's not done? What do we have to do this week to get to those goals? And and it really helps clarify things and help you live in the moment, kind of that whole goal setting process. And also it lets you have those big goals that help pull you through all the little stuff.
0: By doing that, you're trusting in the plan, the one month plan, Mm -hmm. the weekly plan, the yearly plan, the long-term strategy. But you're also building trust for yourself at the same time because you know that you've sat down and thought all these things through. So to be able to look at this next step you know that this next step isn't going to take you so far out of the way that you can't get back to a path mm-hmm. that you were on. Yep, that's great advice. It really is, and, and and that can be applied to not just business but any point in life. You, it's that's meditating, honestly, yep. in a lot of ways. It's staying present. Sometimes people are afraid to take risks because they're always looking at so far down the road mm-hmm. that it seems impossible. If you have a thousand tasks to get to from one to a thousand. Mm-hmm. That's a thousand That's tasks. That's too many, right? But if you can say, well, I have one task to get to between zero and one, mm-hmm. and then one to two and two... So patience definitely must come in when you're running a business because if you're expecting to have exorbitant amounts of revenue right off the bat, you might as well just shoot yourself in the foot right mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah, so yeah
1: and, and patience is always hard, right? Because especially as an ADD sort of business owner that always has to be in motion and, and has that big vision, you want to get there right now. Mm-hmm. and And... Uh, that was always a struggle to know when to push and when not to push. And, and I don't think there's, I think that just comes from doing, right? If you push too hard, you're going to burn everybody out. You're going to burn out all your money and you're going to fail. And if you don't push hard enough, everybody's going to get bored and leave. You included, right? So there's there's a really fine line between boredom and failure. And I think it just takes a lot of tries before you start to get get it right. So and I think I've got a lot more tries before I really figure out what, what, what the right, you know, because... If you're pushing too hard, you'll see it on your employees, but not for a while. You'll see it on yourself, but not for a while, and sometimes not until it's too late. Right, exactly. Because once you pass that,
0: yeah, once you once I you hit mean, the part where you burned out, you're like,
1: you know what? I, 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 I don't, don't care do anymore. I don't care, I don't care anymore. anymore. You, you, right. Once that flip switch flips in your head, it's 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 done. So it's it's a hard line because you can also see it in your employees if you're not pushing them hard enough because everything is fine. It's just all fine, right? They're not coming to you and saying, Eric, that's a little too hard. You know that. I feel like, you know, that's a hard goal to hit. And if you're not hearing that sometimes, everybody's getting bored. You included, right? So there's definitely an appropriate uh, amount of push that makes people uncomfortable sometimes, but not all the time. And that's kind of riding that line and it's a hard thing to do. And I think maybe you just hit on the fact that as a
0: CEO, not only do you have to be willing to take yourself out of your comfort zone, you have to be willing to take your employees out of their own comfort zone too and let them know that they can achieve more than, than this moment. Maybe we get to a point in life sometimes where we don't think that growth is evident or self-evident anymore. Sure. And truthfully, it's not if we choose not to. But we can continue to grow mentally or spiritually, physically, however we want until our our last breath on this earth. We're, we never yeah. stop learning. So there's no reason why somebody who might be 80 years old listening to this right now couldn't start their own business. There's there's no reason. Because if, if you said... You can sit down and write down all the things that you could do to pivot and all the things that you might like to do in life and the ways that you can accomplish them. Anybody can do that. Yep, I agree. And I think we all, not everybody has to be a business owner, but I think everybody maybe has it in them to be one because we all have passions. How would you say that Eric Scott at 20 years old? Uh uh-huh. huh. <laughs> Wide eyed. New to the work world. Oh, and I thought I was, like, the shit, like, right? I mean, everything... Which was, most of us did at 20, yeah. and then we hit the work, the real world, and we're like, oh,
1: man, we're nothing. You know, yeah. we have to
0: figure So, okay, Eric Scott, graduating
1: college. Yep. Uh, big fish in a small pond compared to the rest of the world yeah, in your own I mind? I don't know. I mean, a lot of things were easy-ish for me, right? I mean, I didn't have to study a whole lot when I was in high school. I didn't get super great grades, but I didn't really apply myself either. You know, I kind of coasted through there, and college was similar And I had a little problem in my freshman year at school because I was like, oh, I already did all these subjects. I know this. I don't need to show up for class. But, you know, so after that, I figured it out and actually started to study a little bit and and did reasonably well uh, towards the end of college. Um, But, you know, when I graduated, I thought, you know, I'm I'm good at stuff. I'm going to get something. And then, you know, I kind of lucked into this position and was pretty excited about it. And, And that's kind of how it goes most of the time. Most people just move from thing to thing, me included, into things that just kind of present themselves. And you're like, well... This seems like fun to do it, right? And some people take longer to make that change than others, but that, that tends to be almost, you know, a friend will be like, hey, I need some help with this job. Do you want to switch? Well, I don't really like my current job. Let's try right? That, that tends to be how change happens. So, so put yourself out there. Yep. Make lots of connections. Yep. Give yourself options. Yep. And when I was 20, I don't know, I, I just, it was kind of bumbling through, but I thought I was something special because, you know, I got a job right out of college and it was a pretty decent paying software engineering job and... So I don't know. You know, I was certainly loudmouthed and stubborn, and even more so than I am now, and and very opinionated, and thought I knew how everything needed to go right. So I'm sure I, I know I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And but don't
0: you think that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission? Well, I
1: guess yeah, to a point, I guess yeah. I think it's 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 also better to. to I read something interesting on Core the other day. The guy said, and he said it so much better that I'm about to butcher it. But he said you really need to realize that you're not the center of the universe with all of these supporting casts out there. Everybody else is just like you, and they have their own lives and ambitions and dreams. And for you to effectively lead people, you have to care about that, right? You can't see yourself as the star of the show with the supporting cast. And I think that's how I saw myself in my 20s, right? I was the starring of the show, and, and everybody else was the supporting cast.
0: So you can't run a business without empathy.
1: Yeah, you can't because you're not going to be able to get and keep good people. Right. right? Everybody else has their dreams and ambitions, and, and you have to figure out what those are and make sure the people that are brilliant that could help your company want to work there and you find the ones that are kind of aligned with the vision that you've got. Right. You don't want to get people and, and, and force them to your ways. You want to find people that are well aligned with you.
0: And then it's an ensemble cast at that point. It's yeah. not an Yeah, ego everybody's show. a
1: star on, on of, of their show helping push one thing forward together as a group. And, and I think we we've we've got that to a large degree at Dolphin Micro. I think most everybody that's here just really loves being here. Do you have to be both arrogant and humble all at the same time to run a business? Yeah, I think so. I mean, everything is is certainly a balance. And I think there's a lot of balance in, in an entrepreneur between being risk-averse and, and a risk-taking, mm-hmm. right? And being arrogant and humble and being um, a leader and a follower and, and somebody who drives home their vision of things and also is open to other people's ideas. It, it's, it's hard. You know, there's a lot of balancing that goes on being a, a business owner.
0: Let me throw out a hypothesis here. All right. No matter what the societal hierarchy structure is, wherever we're living, mm-hmm. people are people. We're all going to live. And if we believe that we're going to die, we'll die, mm-hmm. you know, etc. No matter who's the president of the United States or whatever kind of company you're owning or whoever the Fortune 500 CEOs are, Life is an ensemble cast. It doesn't matter, really, if you run this company for 10 years and then run another company or if you are a worker now and become... I I think maybe life is really just about being who you truly are inside and connecting with people that are like-minded so that you can be as happy as you can be. Because really, why run a business? The hypothesis would be, it'll make me happy.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and I think there's 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 a lot to be said for I don't know I, I've always been a believer in being productive, right? Because I think if you think back to where we came from, we you know we also we used to be a, a hunter gatherer and then an agricultural society, and everybody had to do everything, right? You get up, you tend the crops, you go, you you know the men go out and hunt for the food, and the women stay back and raise the kid, and you know everybody's washing clothes and doing doing all this stuff, and now we live in a highly specialized society. And it's still important for each and every one of us to be productive, to keep all of society moving forward. So I think being productive is important. Everybody's a person and and certainly the star of their show. And I think one of the things I've always wanted to do with my life is just drive enough productivity through my life that there's leftover productivity for the people that, you know, there are people that just can't or or don't want to be as productive, but still want to live and have the life that they want, and I think it's it's up to people that have that extra energy to you know start a business or or build something significant. You know, I think there's 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 something about productivity that really hits home with me, and I think that's one of the things that tends to drive me both in in work and businesses. Is, is I think there's just something about productivity that seems important as a society. It seems like everybody needs to be out there doing what they can for the rest of society because we all are so very dependent on each other now, right? I mean, I don't know how to fix my car. I don't know how to, um, you know, I, I uh, geez, there's, there's uh, the, the TV I watch, the Xbox I play, the guitar I have. I don't know how to make a guitar. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So we're all very dependent on each other. And I think it's important that we each see that for what it is and, and all try to be as productive as we can, not just for ourselves, but for the rest of society that we, that we depend on and that depends on us. I don't know where that fits in anything. <laughs> no, I, I think it's I think it's very
0: important because you just basically said that you don't run a company for power. It's not it's not about power with you. It's not about control or ownership even. Even though you run the company, what you're saying is that people they don't have to be so productive that their clothes explode off every day. You know, like like that's how hard they're working themselves that's okay. You might not be lazy. You just might like doing less, you Mm -hmm. know, and there's nothing really wrong with that. And because you run the company for somebody, you have to pay them out Mm -hmm. and they receive pay from you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make them any less or greater or less. You're just two people in a situation, in in an agreement, a marriage. Yeah, and
1: I think we're we're two people in a team that are trying to do something bigger than each of us could do by ourselves.
0: Well, and that goes to uh, a book that I read a few years ago, called tribal leadership, where mm-hmm. it ranked society in five stages. The fourth stage, they say that America is a level three tribe, which is me centric. I'm better than you, mm-hmm. which is a stage above stage one would be life sucks. That's like a prison riot. Stage right. two is my mm-hmm. life sucks. That's an acknowledgement that there is better life out there. I'm just not living it. Mm-hmm. Stage three is, oh, fuck this. I'm better than you, you know, mm-hmm. and you mobilize. But stage four is, we're better than such and such, because you can't do anything in life really on your own. Without a community sense, yep. where would you be? You couldn't procreate. You couldn't, like you just said. How we, can, you can't, can you the, wouldn't even have an yeah, Xbox. I mean, I don't fix yeah. You wouldn't have the
1: vision to create yeah, one. I mean, I walk down to the grocery store and get, you know, it takes me 15 minutes to, to put food on the table for the whole week. Right. right? I mean, they, my, my parents couldn't do that. Or, sure. Or, or their, their parents couldn't do that just 50 years ago, right? I mean, people were out there. They had to work an entire year to put food on the table. Right. You and I did not pull a single radish
0: out of the ground right.
1: today.
0: That didn't happen. <laughs> that you know? did not happen. And, and
1: there are still people that are doing that in farming
0: cultures. Yep. And, and this month's theme on the wall is community. Okay. And that comes from Flag Day. And Flag Day, some, for people who aren't in America or even Americans, it's a uniquely American holiday. It's June 14th. You, you fly your flag. It's it's just a, sim, it's a symbol for patriotism. But it goes to show you once again that to me it's so important to have community in life because I don't know, I think the world is a lonely place if you're by yourself all the time. Yep, I you know? Agree. Who doesn't want to meet a counterpoint in somebody else? Like you're saying, you don't want to it's not slavery. You don't want to force somebody to work for you. You want them to want to be there because you two have similar goals, or you ten or you twenty have similar goals yep. and then you know, there are obviously it's like a marriage between two people, there are pitfalls and there are moments of triumph too and you do have to be willing to carry on sometimes and also know when to say well let's let's move in this direction completely or yep you basically answered what your thoughts are on community and they're evident because you run a company you couldn't run a company and say you didn't care about community because that would be very hypocritical yep i would agree you seem to be the kind of person who cares you ha- you have evident empathy for life and that's a good thing you are somebody who obviously wants to be happy and you are a little ADD, and I think most business owners are a little yep. ADD. And that I think is because maybe if you're sitting around too long, you're kind of like, "What am I doing? Am I worthless right now?" You know. Well, like, and we get the ants in our pants,
1: right? We're, right. We're ready to get started with something. Yeah, new, right. Because right?
0: you're a creative person, you know. How did that come about for you? You know, you say we go back to the beginning of this conversation, and you said when you were a kid, you got your parents to go to Costco for you <laughs> and buy some candy, and you were going to sell some candy until that moment came about. Now I don't know how old you were. You could have been seven. You yeah, could have been in ten. School, I think. I don't remember. Why? I guess what what is what is the secret to your quest for inner peace? So geez, wow. Um, what
1: do like, I mean by because you're saying,
0: peace. well, let me so to make that a little bit easier, answer question. Now you're talking about you get ants in your pants. You mm-hmm. want to do yeah. Obviously, do. because when you're sitting for too long, you feel the need to go, and it's when you're doing that you're feeling like
1: yourself. Yeah. yep, I would agree. Why? Geez, I don't know. Nature, nurture, I'm not sure. Good thing they didn't really push Ritalin when I was a kid, or <laughs> this might be all very different, right? Well, I don't necessarily even think maybe we don't need to know the answer why. I think maybe go find out. Yeah.
0: That's, you know, and that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. If you want to know the answer to something in life, just go find out. Maybe you never need to know why. Just that it is is good enough for you, you know. And maybe you would spend years of your life trying to figure out why, but that would go against the person that you are that wants to keep moving anyway.
1: Yep. Well, I think as I've, I've gotten older, back to the, the, the question before when you said, you know, what it was like when you were 20, I think one of the things that has changed as I've gotten older is my attention span gets longer, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in sticking out things like, you know, when I was in, geez, when I was in high school, I switched jobs every year, right? And then when I was in college, I switched jobs every couple of years. And then I got that job out of college, and I was there for four years. And then I got the next real estate thing. And I wasn't super excited about the real estate thing for a few years, but I, I stuck that one out for six. Here we've been with Dolphin Micro for seven, right? So I think my attention span tends to get a little bit longer, and, and I find more creative because I think – we're, we're always going to, we, we tend to be prone as as, as as people to say, hey, this isn't fun right now. Maybe I should go do something else. But I think there's a lot to be learned sticking out times that aren't so fun because things get fun again later. I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. So I think that's that's one of the things that's changed over time is I, I still think I, I've got that itch to be productive. I've got that itch to get to doing things, but I'm more content having more patience for things than I used to be. You
0: would agree that no matter whether you are somebody who wants to branch out and start your own business or if you just want to go to work, come home, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to eat a shit sandwich.
1: (laughs) Every once in a while, sure.
0: There's no way around it. So, like you're saying, this isn't fun. I'm just going to leave.
1: Yeah, it's not always going to taste good.
0: Right, and if you're always... Anytime that something isn't fun, you jump to the next thing, then you're never really going to have fun, I don't think.
1: Yep.
0: Robert August. It's a surfer from Endless Summer. All right. His father was someone who was manufacturing surfing equipment. I guess this would be in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Okay. And his father gave him the advice that if you're willing to work really hard right now, you can have a lot of fun later. Hmm. But if you're never willing to work this hard, you'll only ever be able to have a little bit of fun.
1: I completely agree with that.
0: I, I, it's something that sticks in my mind. That's interesting. That, yeah, that's 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 good because I think it's true. The majority of people currently listening to Breaking Walls are in the age range of, let's say, 21 to 35. So mm-hmm. people who are earlier in their career, early in mid-career, it's the time to work hard. I'd you agree. can still have fun while working hard if your passion is being satiated. Yep, I'd agree. So no matter whether or not you're going to run a business or not, you have to find that passion, right? So yep. And you are somebody, you claim it's ADD, but to me, it's almost like you're in a, a continuous quest for passion, you know, not that you are um, ever not able to be satisfied, but to you, it's
1: like, well, it's not where's the money so much as where's the passion. Where, where, yeah. where, where's the where's the challenge and the, the interest, right? I used to think I always want to do something that was fun, but somebody said said to me once, you know, maybe fun's not the right word. I said, what do you mean? I said maybe you should use a word like interested or challenged or engaged, right? Because it's not always fun. Getting up and going to work every day isn't always fun, but uh, most of the jobs that I've had that I've I look back on, and I say that that was a good job, right? They've been engaging even on the days where they're not super fun, sure, right? And I think there's there's definitely something to be said. Don't don't take the job that's got the most money and has the most anything else. I think. Find a job that's engaging for you that you can really hunker down with and get good at. Because then your growth will occur. Yep, I, I I agree. Maybe
0: people might think that that's somewhat unrealistic. And they say, well, no, you're supposed to have fun. As an example, it's the World Series. Someone's on the pitcher's mound. Someone's on the batter's box. Yep. That moment for those guys is anything
1: but fun. <laughs> yeah, it should be it, too, right? They you're thinking their entire, about it, it's, a, it's a child's they, game. Right, they've worked, they, they worked their entire lives to None get entire lives. None of them are having fun no.
0: at that moment. It's nope. the most serious damn thing that they've ever done yep. in their entire life at that moment. Yep. But it's a challenge. Yeah, It's the, are you really think that you're going to get that hit off me or are you think you're going to get me out? Yeah, but it's one of those things that you can look back on and say, man, I did that and that was excellent. Exactly. Even as an example, a few weeks ago, so I'm keeping it sports for a second. I'm a large New York Rangers fan, mm-hmm. and they won a Game 7 in the second round of the playoffs and then lost the Game 7 in the third. And both times that I was watching the game, I was able to step back and go, well, they might win or they might lose, but damn, this is awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is awesome. This is the pinnacle. This is what you live for. Yeah. So things, sometimes you are going to have to eat that shit sandwich, but it's going to be on a mountaintop if your passion <laughs> is satiated. You know? Yep. To that end, in running a Dolphin Micro or yep. running a real estate company before that, mm-hmm. I want to ask you what are some of the biggest challenges, but I also want to word that and say what are some of the things that have been most challenging to you and what are some of the things that have been most rewarding to you inside? Because I think at the end of the day, that's why we're living. You know, Yes, we have connections with other people. We want to be more than just ourselves, but there's a balance there too where I think you're married, you love your wife, mm-hmm. you have a certain sense of uh, security there that you know you love her and she loves you and, and when you come home, you know, that's going to be great. And in that security, you can then afford to think about, but what is it inside of me that's driving me, you know? So for you, what were what are some of the biggest challenges that you felt that you had to overcome in running a business and then what are some of the, the biggest rewards that you felt internally like, yeah, damn it, that was good. I, I, did, I feel... Like, the standard that I have set for myself in life, I'm living towards it. I'm living
1: up to my own standards for myself. Mm. I'd say that it's probably the same thing. I think leadership is is probably one of the things that's been the hardest for me, right? Because I think somebody said, I don't remember who said it, they said, a a good leader takes people where they want to go, and a great leader takes people where they should go. And it's tough, right? Because being a good leader requires you to make a lot of decisions, And those decisions aren't always going to be right because you're always working with a a, a bunch of variables that are and a bunch of unknowns. So the buck stops at you, and everybody tends to look to you and say, "What do we do now?" And you know, coming up with the right answer isn't always as important as coming up with the answer and executing it and then cleaning up after it when it's wrong. Right. right? Done is better than perfect. Right. And, And that's, that's a really hard thing to do in practice when people's careers are on the line and their families are depending on them to bring home the paycheck and they're depending on you not to screw up your decisions so the company actually is reasonably successful and can afford to continue to pay them. Right. So I don't know. I think, I think leadership has been really challenging to know, you know, to, to be comfortable with all those decisions and and to, to say, you know what, I know I'm going to screw this up a lot. I just need to commit to the decision and and be willing to clean it up when it's done, if things go wrong. And then, like I said earlier, knowing, knowing how hard to push, because it's not you that you're pushing anymore, right? It's you have a vision and you want to take your company to place A, but you need a lot of cooperation and a lot of hard work from a lot of people to get there. So figuring out, how to push and why and when and who to put in the right seats and what to get everybody working on and what goal is the goal that you really want to get to and then figuring out how to make everybody go in the same direction and push the same. I think that's hard. And, and there've, there've been a lot of, you know, mistakes and failures over over the last 13 years in two companies that, you know, you look back and you say, man, I wish I could have done that one different. But so I think that's definitely the hardest part. But I think it's, it's also where I think I've grown the most as a person and, and you know, I've seen some success because I think I've built companies where luckily the, the people that were there tend to enjoy, like really like their jobs. They, they really like coming in every day and it's not true across the board. You know, it's not it's not a fairy tale sort of job, but I think by and large, it's it, they, it's, it's usually been a company where they've, they've felt challenged and successful and, and I think that's probably one of my, my biggest successes is, you know, I've, I've built a company that, helped people realize that at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you said
0: also, let you know that it's very hard to run a company with a big heart. <laughs> but you also need a
1: big heart to run a successful company. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, and I'm not sure, right? Because it wasn't ever a big company. It was, it's not so hard to run a, a company with 15 really smart, dedicated people, which I was always lucky with, Right. Could that big heart run a company of 100 or a 1,000 or 10,000 or, you know, some of these companies have 100,000 employees? You can't because it's too big of a tribe. Hmm. You know, you have
0: to, it has to be like a certain amount of people before it splits off and then you need to delegate.
1: That's a question that I'm answering for myself too in life. I, and I think that's an interesting question. I, I'd be, I, I'm certainly interested in talking to somebody that runs, you know, a CEO of, I don't know, General Electric who's got hundreds of thousands of employees all over the world and and find out more about what those people are really like in real life.
0: Right. And right. I would love to know the honest answer off air that they might not be able to give right. politically on air. How much do they really know what's going on? How much are they able to? And it's not a, at that point, it's not a matter of, well, you're just not a good CEO. It's no, look at what he would have to or she would have to be, you know, held account Yep. for. That's not possible because it goes back to what you were saying about the path right in front of you. You can have the big end goal, but you can't worry about the thousand tasks that you're supposed to accomplish. Yep. You can only worry about this week, at this moment, yep. and trust. So it, then it does become a point of bringing in people that you trust. And then instead of like on paper what the, the business goals are, it's Eric Scott and I trust each other. I trust that Eric Scott can manage this division and I manage this one and vice versa. And then he's going to bring in somebody who can manage the subdivision. And then at some point it becomes, you know, a chain, I guess. right? right? And that's society. That is what society is. I don't want to say what's next. What I want to ask you is, so you're 41 years old. Yep. Yep, as of last month. You look into a mirror, Mm -hmm. and you see 61-year-old Eric Scott. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. What kind of a man is that that makes you look at yourself in 20 years? And even though you, you trust yourself at a point in life, and you like who you are, what kind of a man is that that you look at down the road and you say, if you can, and maybe this goes against what we just said, 61-year-old
1: Eric Scott, who is he? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, you always have the vision. I mean, I've got my life goals, too. One of the goals is to to build a a large company, right? Somehow, whether I I go work with somebody at a medium-sized company and help them make it big, or whether I take something like Dolphin Micro and turn it into something big from scratch. Um, So that's a goal. Um, I've got a goal to be upside down in an airplane. I've got a goal to see earth from space. I mean, God, another 20 years, I hope that a lot of the items on that long-term vision list that I still think is engaging for me are, you know, checked off. I've got a lot more interesting things that I can look back on and say, I really like where I've been. And, and another 20 years, that's, that's a long time to do stuff. And it seems to go faster and faster the older we get, but I guess that's what I'd, I'd hope. You know, I, I hope I can look back when I'm 61 like I can now and say, I really like where I've been so far. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I feel like I've, I've been to some interesting places and done some fun stuff and met some cool people and, and I'm pretty happy with it. I don't have a lot of regrets and I hope I can still say that when I'm 61. This podcast
0: is about branching out on your own and starting your own business. And not once did we talk about building cycles Not once do we talk about (laughs) client client acquisition. (laughs) Sure. And I think the reason why the conversation went this way, because I I mentioned to you off-air also, I have an outline of things in my head that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we know each other off-air. But what we spoke about is no matter what you want to do in business, because it is the unfortunate reality that bills come in the mail and we have to pay them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can try to strip as many of them from your life as you can. You mentioned business when you said in 20 years, but you also talked about life. And, and we've talked about life a lot here tonight. Sure.
1: Well, isn't that what business is all about, right? Exactly. It empowers your life. It's right. not supposed to be the other way around. Right. Your life isn't supposed yes. to be the business. The business that you're in is supposed to empower your life. Right. And, right. and work in tandem at the same time. Sure.
0: Well, because you're if, at your
1: business more than pretty much anything else. So right. you, hopefully you don't think that sucks. Sure. And if
0: you are doing something that is your passion... Then it doesn't matter if it, is it nine to five, is it Sunday at two a.m. when you roll out of bed and you got a song in your head that you have to write down? Yeah. Is it Tuesday afternoon you have to be sitting in your boxers because you can work from home, but you're engaged there because that's what you want? And yep. Maybe maybe society is a little bit afraid to allow people to discover who they really are, and it's up to us to go on that self discovery for ourselves because it's, once you leave school, depending on you know if you went to a K to twelve or and then high school, college, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. If we live our lives the way we want to live them, the money will take care of itself. So you yep, can't let I money agree. drive all your decisions. It's yep. not possible. So I think if you're going to branch out and start your own business, if you're going to do it for money, just don't bother because yes. it's, you're just going at a dead end to begin with. And you'll never be happy and that's why you think you're doing it. Now, to close, let's say that there's somebody who is, it doesn't matter the age, they could be 80, they could be 25, they could be 18, 12, They're right on the cliff's edge. Hmm? They're trying to make that decision. Do they, maybe they don't have, they have a few options for themselves. Sure. They're going to make that decision. I'm going to take that step. Is it really that big of a step to branch out on your own and run your own business? Or is it
1: just another point in life that you do something and see where it goes and see where it leads? I think it's another point in life where you just do something and see where it goes. Right. I mean, because what's your batna there, again, is what's the best alternative to taking that step? I mean, if, if things go horribly wrong, you're just going to end up and right back to where you are at a decision point And you get to say, well, maybe I'll just go get a job now. It's definitely the point where you just you, you take the step and you see where it leads. And, you know, the worst that can happen is you're going to be back in that spot again. And you just right. I mean, you're not going to unless things crash horribly and somehow you get arrested or you go into a massive amount of debt. I mean, even in the in the U.S. especially, even if you own a massive amount of debt, bankruptcies can help restart. I mean, we've got a lot of safety nets in the U.S. That, that make it pretty easy to try stuff, blow it up really bad, and start over. Just don't break any laws and end up in jail, and you get a second chance. Yeah, I mean, if the automotive industry
0: can do it, what do we have to worry about? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. Know? Honestly, it goes back to life being about risks, But re- but you realize that once you're taking those risks... They're never quite as big as we. Yeah, it's it's never
1: usually as scary as you think.
0: Right, right. Do you have anything that you would like to plug, or any kind of anything that uh, you would have loved to have
1: said, and I didn't ask you? No, I don't know. I mean, I do a lot of writing in Quora, so if anybody's interested, they can check me out there. I think yeah, I just Quora, just search for Eric Scott. I'm one of the top writers there, and. And that, by the way, is E-R-I-C-S-C-O-T-T. Yep. yep. Look me up on Core and you can, if, if you're interested and you liked this podcast, you can always see more about me there. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Cool. Thanks.
0: There's going to be a point in time that I personally look back on a certain number of podcasts here in the beginning because I don't have any intention of stopping these podcasts. And some of them will stand out in my mind as markers where as a interviewer, moderator, conduit, whatever you want to call me and my role as the MC on these podcasts. I learned something today. I didn't know what a BATNA was until I sat down with Eric. That's something that going forward in my life, I'm going to use. And I have a feeling that if you listen to this, there's no way that if you didn't know what a BATNA was to begin with, you're not going to remember that. The best alternative to a negotiated agreement, also known as having options for yourself. If you're going to branch out on your own and start a business, it behooves you to have options. If you're going to go to your boss and ask for a raise, it behooves that you have options for yourself. This is negotiating power, and truthfully, it's not personal. It is business, and that doesn't make you a bad person to ask for more. It makes you somebody who's ambitious, and if your boss is good, even if they can't give you what you want at that moment, they'll respect you for asking. It's also very important that if you're going to run a business, you have to know how to stretch a dollar as far as it can go. Eric knows enough about business to know that he can't live so far beyond his means that he can't get back to a point of balance. And as Eric moves forward in his life and as we move forward in our own lives and we learn these things about ourselves, it's important to put them in our pocket and not make the same mistakes over and over again. You can make mistakes and you can even really make mistakes multiple times, but it's important that there's progress happening, whether it is that you want to run a business or you don't want to run a business. If you're not progressing, what are you really doing? I'm somebody who sometimes beats myself up over perceived notions of not progress. But I think as we go forward, it's also important to not beat yourself up, but to say, hey, this is what happened here. This is what I learned from it. Let's go forward. Because as we spoke about in this podcast, it's important to not look too far down the road. And it's important to not look in the past with rose-tinted, not-accurate glasses. This moment in time, as you listen to my voice, is the only moment that you're currently experiencing. I don't know what specifically is going on in your life at this moment, but if you can, please step back, think about where you're at, and think about clear, concise ways to move forward. Whether that be in business, in personal, in social nature, however you might feel like you're approaching the day. And also remember, That the line between boredom and failure is a thin one. We've all been there on both ends of that. Sometimes you try hard and you fail, but you never come out of the trying hard and the failing thinking that you shouldn't have done it in the first place. It might be true that only fools rush into situations, but if we don't rush in once in a while, we'll never know that only a fool does that. Preparation is definitely key to branching out on your own and starting a business, but it's also key to doing anything in life. But at the same time, we can't know that until we come into a situation being unprepared, feeling what that feels like, and then moving forward from that and being better for it. And remember what Blackie August, Robert August's father said, that little bit of advice. If you work really hard right now, you can have a lot of fun later. And that is true. But if you're never willing to bust your butt, then you'll only ever be able to have a little bit of fun because you'll always be behind the eight ball. And speaking of being behind the eight ball, as we move forward here on the wall breakers, we meaning I as the person producing most of the content, it's going to be very important to me, like I've said on previous podcasts, to release these podcasts in a timely manner. It's also very important to me to not go away from the tenants that we set, Lena and I, when we relaunched the site back in February. I want to try to bring as many mentor-like interviews to you guys as possible And I want to focus on editorial content that's going to help you both in a tangible and a philosophical way. If you have any kind of ideas that you want to reach out to me with, please don't hesitate to do so. I have a very public email. It's james at thewallbreakers.com. And if you have anything that you've been wanting to get off your own chest, don't hesitate to do that either. We're very interested in having guest contributors write things That are going on in their life. This is a community. And I don't mean the wall breaker specifically when I say that. I mean life. Life is a community. You are not currently sitting alone in a dark room. And if you are, well, then you're doing that because I'd like to think you're meditating as you're listening to this podcast. But no, seriously, life is so much better when we're sharing it with each other and sharing ideas. And sometimes I think society doesn't want us to find out who we are. Because that empowers us. Would you rather be empowered or not empowered? Ask yourself that question. And then like Eric said in the interview, write down as many things about yourself that you can monetize or you can mobilize. And you find that you are much more empowered than you realize. And I think a lot of us know that. And sometimes I worry that as I speak, I may be speaking in a way that would make it seem like all of us are at this point where we're uh, about to dive off of a cliff and we don't know if we're going to die when we hit the water. That's not true. Most of us are not in a bad place. Sometimes we get stagnant. Sometimes we grow. But it's important to always know where you are. And that's why May's topic was Remembrance. And that's why this month's topic is Community. It's the middle of the month here on The Wall Breakers, And as we move forward into July, I'd like to let you know how serious I am about releasing content. Deadly serious. Because all jokes aside, this is important to me. Life is important to me. It's important to you too. The more we talk to each other, the more commonality we find with each other, and the more we realize that even if we're peers, or even if somebody is younger than you, we can learn from each other, always. Eric is a 41-year-old CEO, and I think that if you listen to this podcast tonight, you have learned something important about yourself in the process. Like I mentioned on the opening, you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com thewallbreakers and following us. You can also subscribe to our podcasts by going to iTunes and searching for The Wall Breakers, and then subscribing to Breaking Walls. And then this way, once that happens, anytime time that we release a new podcast, which is twice a month, it will automatically download to your device for your listening pleasure when you want to. This podcast realm that has become so huge in the last three or four years, it's transcribed on-demand radio. So radio will never die, because you can't always watch something. You might be on the train right now, you might be driving, you might be at your desk, you might be doing something that you can't use your eyes, but you can use your ears and multitask. And for that, I would like to thank you for continuously tuning into Breaking Walls and ask you, hey, if you like this, tell a friend, tell two friends. It's word of mouth, it's free, and I love you for doing so. And at this point, 16 episodes in, I think we all know how I usually end these podcasts. It's summertime. Maybe the weather's getting humid or it's hot. Maybe you're on a beach. Maybe you wish you were on a beach. But it's important, as Eric let us know, to keep getting out there. The more we're willing to break those walls, the happier we'll be and the more inner peace we will have in our own lives. So get out there, guys. Keep breaking those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, Episode 16. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.